Do you hear that whistling? Yeah, it it sounded to me like an ice cream truck. I was like, man, I want some ice cream now. I want to run out and grab some. Uh, You know, there's a hallway right here. Um, I heard some of your background on Parrot Gaming with Jared. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw you were on there too. Yeah. 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 So it was kind of like, oh shit. Hey, you know, I was like, wait a minute. It's a small world. It keeps getting. You I know. love it. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Oh, sorry. Hi, David. I apologize. Your set, by the way, is fantastic. It speaks to my style too. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it, it, it took, it took years. I used to, I had a YouTube channel and this is just uh-huh. slowly building up. Actually, this is all stuff I'm selling on eBay. That's oh, really? the personal stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to condense because I want to get into the van life eventually. So. Que paso cochinos and sucias. I'm that Pato Gallo, the Socio Supreme. You can find me at Cochino Chingon on Instagram, TikTok, sometimes Snapchat, and very rarely Twitter. Welcome to another episode of Socias are my favorite. Today I have a guest, and it is a special event for me, but he is an expert in things that I would like to be an expert in, at least a book knowledge part of it. This is David Khalili. He is a licensed marriage counselor and other things that I forgot because it's a long list of things that he has in his background and allow him to introduce himself. David, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? It's great to meet you. Yeah, I'm uh, David Clilly, uh, licensed marriage and family therapist in California. Um, I specialize in sex and relationships. Uh, got my master's in sexuality studies before doing um, the, the therapy training world. Um and so I work a lot with uh, men around sex and anxiety, but I also work with like multi-heritage couples. I'm first-generation American-born myself, so I love working with people whose parents immigrated or they immigrated themselves. I feel like there's a lot in there, especially around uh, just straddling multiple cultures, multiple like expectations, and like how you show up in your family, how you show up with community, uh, and then the messages that we get as men uh, in terms of how we show up or should show up in relationships or in sex. And that can be really helpful and good, good guidance sometimes, but it can also be really harmful in like restricting how we see ourselves as men or how we see ourselves in engaging in intimacy or, um, but yeah, sometimes the messages that we get growing up as like what we should be or how we should act as a man can give good guidance. But I, I, what I've seen in my work is that it can be really restrictive in how we can like tune in with our own emotions and ourselves. And like, and like you're saying, like, um, our view of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's something that was tough for me because I'm also first and second generation uh-huh. from my mother, first from my mother, second from my father's side. And so, and then, you know, being American, so you've got to straddle a bunch of things. Yeah. And the whole narrative that I grew up with in the eighties is, you know, be a white knight, be a gentleman, be, you know, courteous and all that other stuff. But then I'm hearing from the males in my family and male friends of those males in my family is like, oh yeah, you know, the more women you're with, the more the man you are, as long as you take care of your bills, you're this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's a dichotomy that you're trying to fight and navigate. And sometimes one thing works, sometimes the other thing works. So fortunately for me, in a sense, confidence came easy, but I don't know how to help others and guide them through that. So what would be a crash course that you can give a guys to help build their own confidence? That's a great question. And a big question. like the big thing that I've been having a kick on lately in my, my talks with men and um, I've been running some men's group that specifically on like sex and anxiety or relationships and anxiety. Um, and we have guys in there that range from like never been in a relationship or had sex to in long-term relationships. And they're noticing how anxiety is showing up for them in these relationships. Um, and so the big 
uh, aspect of my work with them is helping them identify uh, a their values uh, and like what helps them feel guided. Like, uh, is it honesty? Is it uh, like community focus? What what is it that really feels like is really important to them? And then um, while they're going through life, and it could be about sex and relationships, but it could also be about other things, just as a form of practice. Uh, as they're making decisions, asking themselves and reflecting to themselves, like, is this decision that I'm making or I'm about to make, is this in line with my values? Is this going to be something that I'm going to like about myself two weeks down the line, a month down the line, a year down the line? Or is this something that I'm just seeking to get my whatever it is right now and fuck everything else? Um, And you can still make your choice after that thought process, but it's building in that practice of, you know, what am I, what am I aligned to? What am I in, in integrity with? Hmm. That that's a different twist of respect that I'd never thought of that, especially the values part, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's a very good basis. I think that's better than just trying to build confidence because if you have a baseline to stand on or a foundation to stand on that, you know, you can always come to or a touchstone, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you get to decide that yourself. Like, I'm not going to tell you what your values, like, that's not my job. Like, I don't. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's you know, self-reflective and having to decide for yourself because you're, you're going to have to live with yourself. I mean, sure, you're you're them within an hour a week or a couple hours a week that you deal with these guys, sure. but they got to go home and deal with themselves. Even with their spouses or significant others or future significant other, they have to have a strength of value and a core of themselves. And yeah. That's kind of something that I also preach is that you can't expect someone else to make you happy in a relationship if you don't know how to be happy with yourself. Yeah. If you don't know how to love yourself, that's also important too. So super important. I love what you're what you're sharing with with other people. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, unfortunately, I only have like seven fans ish. So yeah. um hopefully they'll share some message and they'll get through. But yeah. I mean, ideally, if as long as I can touch at least one person, or not touch, but get through <laughs> to one person, like, hey be a better you. Yep. Don't be a better you to get laid. Don't be a better you to get more money. Be a better you because you got to live with yourself for the next 10, 20, 60 years, however old you are yeah. and however much time you got left, you know? Oh man. Well, folks, that's the episode. <laughs> no. So how is it that you help males? Because I really wish I could wrap my head around or maybe even come up with a, not an idea, but something that something to um, reflect on to help me like be able to expand on the idea of of confidence, because if I could, I would just bottle it up and sell it. I got to make some money, but, um, you know, it's, it's astounding as to how much media oppresses men, especially nowadays to be less masculine. And it's, Mm. I get that toxic masculinity can be bad. There, there are certain aspects though, but it's important to have, um, some type of authority within yourself to be able to stand up for yourself, Uh even if it's just to not get overcharged for whatever, you know, um, having that confidence to stand up for yourself is important. Yeah. If anything, just to not be taken as a doormat. What, what are some tools that you try to help guys with? Cause normally what I try to say is just, Hey, my father told me this, don't be that uh-huh. and go from there. You, you figure that out, but is there something else that you can give maybe a paragraph or an idea of an outline quote unquote to help guys be better in confidence? Yeah. I think it's, um, we can get really like, I've, I've been there. I have my moments for sure. We, we get really focused on like what, what we're doing wrong or not enough or not, or or how we're not enough of like this thing or that thing. We're not enough of a man. We're not enough 
uh, we're not making enough money, we're not doing whatever that might be. I think it could be helpful to acknowledge like what are our growing edges or however you want to phrase it. But I think it's also really, really helpful to hold the other side. Like if you're going to acknowledge where you need to work on and what, you know, what you feel like you're lacking, then acknowledge where you feel like you've got your strengths and where you've got your uh, points of focus and passion on. Um, and if you can really lean into that and then also kind of tap into the people that are around you where, you know, you feel like, or know that they're your fans, whether they're your, uh, like family members or partners or, or people that are listening to your podcast or listening to the content that, that you're creating, um, ask them, ask them and like, and then try to hear, which that's the, the really fucking hard part as some, you know, as someone who I have a long history of not being able to take compliments too well. And I have to, it's like a practice in my own nervous system to be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm really hearing you out. And I'm not going to shut down at this and push it away. I'm going to, uh, it doesn't have mean that I have to agree with them, but at least I'm going to just acknowledge that they're sharing their views of what they see in me as the strengths. Um, so I feel like kind of acknowledging the the positives in addition to where you feel like you're lacking, but if you can hold both sides, that can really be helpful in uh, building your confidence and just an awareness of yourself. Yeah. That that's one thing that I understand as myself or have learned that, I think it's just a male trait in general that we have difficulty accepting compliments. Like it's not even accepting them. We just, we acknowledge them like, Oh, okay. Uh, thanks. Right. And, but we don't know how to internalize and accept it. We're just like, Oh, yay. You know, yeah. it, it, you know, that was a thumbs up for the non-video watchers. <laughs> yeah. It, it is, it is frustrating because we can't be, or we can't allow ourselves to see, be seen as less than or weaker than what we should be. Right. And of course, there, there's also the narrative that they want us to be more, not effeminate, but more neutral, mm. you know, from masculine, neutral to feminine, not that one's more than the other, just on a spectrum. But I mean, you know, trying to push us to be more neutral, but at the same time, it's, it's frustrating because the positive masculine or just masculinity in general just seems to be uh, vilified in general. Yeah. You know, even, even if you just want to protect or defend uh, your family. You know, being a protector or defender can be seen as an overly aggressive male. It's like, I'm protecting my home. I'm not going out to attack someone. I'm defending what I have here and there. And there's been a couple of articles that I've seen, Reddit, in the news media that essentially, I don't know if you've seen the viral video of that guy um, with the bear and his dogs that he's protecting his dogs and he kind of fights off a small bear oh, no. um, to kick him out of his porch. And one side is champion. Hey, he took care of his dogs. And the other ones, oh my God, how can you abuse a bear? Uh, it, was, it was a small bear. It wasn't a full size uh, bear. It was just a small one coming into his porch. But, you know, it, it's crazy to see got it. Yeah. two different views on one type of thing, yeah. specifically on masculinity. It is interesting to see, like, I, I guess that's part of the larger conversation of, um, like, where is that line? Uh, like, when does it stop being toxic? When, where does it start being, like, what what's the other end of toxic, like helpful or, uh, adaptive. Cause there's definitely, uh, like toxic traits of like uh, entitlement and, um, uh, is that the only one I can think of right now, <laughs> but entitlement does a lot, right? Like sexual violence, physical violence. And, and what bothers me as well is that we can't acknowledge or discuss female toxicity. Even just uh -huh. saying that word, you'll, you'll be vilified because you know, we're, we're presuming that females are angelic and, uh -huh inculpable of anything and everybody's culpable. No one's perfect. Right. But if you even mention that, then now you're a woman hater, you're anti, you know, you're misogynist, you're this, you're that, and the other, and you're just trying to point out, Hey, 
both of us have things that we need to work on. It's not just one sided. Yeah. And it participates in that, like the Madonna whore complex, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and of course, yeah, every male, most males want that. But at the same time, you know, you, where do you draw the line? Um, specifically like the whole Madonna whore thing. I personally don't care about a woman's body count, but a lot of guys uh -huh. have that as their line in the sand that they won't date a female, no matter what her qualifications are for what they want. Right. If she has more than five or more than 10 or whatever their number is, it's too much. Usually it's if they have more than them, but you know, body count doesn't define someone's character, you know, just because I've had one partner and slept with them 5,000 times doesn't mean that I'm better than someone that's had three partners and slept with them once each, you know, how do you help guys that have never had sex? Because that's another thing that I've noticed males in their early to mid twenties, still virgins, maybe had a girlfriend here and there, maybe have kissed, but for the most part, or not for the most part, but there's, there's a lot of things that I've seen in social media where there are males that are virgins and are scared to mention that because, um, you know, they think that they'll be seen as a red flag to still be a virgin at 25. How do you address that with those males and help with their confidence? Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Um, so one would be trying to like trying to figure out what's the the narrative or message that they have about like what it means about them, either as a person or as a man or you know within their culture, however, whatever identity we want to associate with. What does it mean to them to be a virgin at that age? Uh, and try to understand like the meaning behind those messages. Where do they get those messages from? You know, family, uh, culture, or friends, whatever. Um, and then investigate like, is that still a message or a narrative that you want to hold? Is that something that you still want to have and uh, that guide you, or is that something that you feel like you want to start to work towards freeing yourself from? Um, the other piece that I would talk about is like to really encourage going slow, and that's that, that's something that I'm. It's been my kind of like my the beat of my drum in a lot of my like posts and all that is, um, and it sounds super simple and but it's something that I'm continuing to work on myself and I guess it's like a just a meditation or mindfulness practice but just to go slow and be reflective and um, understand what's going on because I think anxiety can make us want to just either get to the thing or be done with the thing and just plow through it, um, and there can be fun in that for sure but I think what ends up happening or what the risk in that is like you're not making choices that you want to make for yourself or you may regret later on. Uh, there's can be boundary violations or consent violations by just trying to plow through both with yourself and, and the other partner. And last but not least, it's just, it's very overwhelming to the nervous system to try to go fast. Right. And it's not a realistic expectation. It's an expectation in lots of porn or in other types of media. Um, but like, if you're anxious, your nervous system is not allowing you for the most part to get an erection. And so then let's say now, now your erection is not working. And so then you're going to feel shitty about yourself and then you're just going to want to avoid sex altogether. That's a very collapsed way of putting it, but you know what I mean? Um, so going slow and not having this expectation that like that your first time is going to be wonderful fireworks, all that shit. It's going to be clunky and weird. And uh, you know, you're probably gonna be like, Oh fuck, I wish I didn't uh, say that or do this or, and that's okay. <laughs> I think, I think it's just like normalizing, like it's a learning process. That's the other thing is normalizing learning. I think I, maybe it's a male thing or maybe it's a, a Western thing, but it's uh, this process of like, we're, we're not allowed to just be like, I don't know, or to say like, I'm still learning. Um, there's something about uh, like needing to know for sure. Uh, that's like associated with being a man or being American, or I don't know what, I don't know. What, what do you think? What do you, 
what do you see as like playing a role in that? You know, I, I hadn't thought of that about the past, about the expectations. Mm -hmm. I also kind of had that growing up is that, um, I wanted to get rid of my virginity before I got to high school and I was doing everything I could. But at the same time, my mother put the fear of God in me and she told me, uh, basically if you get a girl pregnant, you're going to go take care of it over there. Uh -huh. And I knew that I can't get a job until I'm 16. So what am I going to do for the next five years if I get a girl pregnant? So that was, that was what terrified me of actually having sex. Uh -huh. So I did other stuff. Yeah. Got oral, gave oral, um, you know, fingered other girls. And it was, you know, still, I had this, this uh, thing in me that was like, okay, I want to get rid of it. But at the same time, I don't want to get a girl pregnant. And so then I was just kind of like, okay, well, let me just back off and be scared. Or I was scared of it. And I think that's a lot of pressure for a lot of males. I have a cousin that, you know, kind of had the same pressures as well, but he unfortunately went ahead and did it and got a girl pregnant. So, huh. um, and of course he was a kid, he was a child, so he wasn't ready to be a father. Yeah. And we had a discussion recently that he regrets that social pressure that he had and doing so because he didn't get to be a good father for his kids. He's a better father now for his stepkids that he has. Huh. But, you know, he regrets he couldn't give that or provide that for his kids, his biological kids. And, you know, he has a, some guilt with that as well. Yeah. And, you know, that was just kind of mind blowing in, in that sense is that, you know, now that we're older, we realize, and of course, youth is wasted on the young, but mm -hmm. um, hopefully someone young out there, or even regardless of their age, that they take some wisdom that they can learn from someone else's experiences, because that is also another thing you mentioned about, I don't know. Um, it's hard for me to say that, like, okay, I will learn that or I'll figure it out, mm -hmm. but it's hard to admit to say, oh, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that I have, even just with this podcast itself, I know a lot of different paraphilias just being in this, being a sex addiction, being a sex addict and having been in the BDSM community, I know how to do a lot of things in there. Yeah. Don't know the terms. Like I didn't learn about aftercare until I didn't learn the term aftercare, uh, -huh. uh until last year or end of 2019, I don't remember when, or 2020, but I learned the term, but I've been doing it for 20-ish right. years. So it's kind of like, oh shit, you know, so I know these things. So I feel like a fraud or that imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. uh, I know how to do things. I just don't know the terms for things. And so that's another point of contention that yeah. how can I teach if I don't know, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think um, allowing yourself to, to learn is it's, it can take care of a lot of anxiety. I think, you know, a lot of anxiety comes from the place of like, I got to get it perfect. I got to get it just right. Um, you know, and, and I, I invite people to like investigate that or, or think through that line of, uh, that line of thinking, right? Like I got to get it right or else what, like what's on the other side of that? What happens if you don't get it right? And then really think about like, what is the, the possibility of that actually happening? You know, like when I worked in high schools, it was some, some students had that anxiety of like, I need to get an A on this test so that I can get an A in the class. And so I don't fail. And then I would say, okay, well, what if you do fail this class? What's let's think that through. And their mind would go to, I wouldn't graduate college or what wouldn't graduate high school. I wouldn't go to college. I wouldn't get a job and I'd be homeless. And anxiety tells us that we, that we go right to it catastrophizes. It, it skips all of those, um, those steps and goes right to the worst case scenario. Uh, and so to really slow down and be like, okay, what actually needs to happen to get to that point of fear? And then, you know, honestly answering that for yourself. That's another thing that I have a frustration with is trying to deal with people. Cause I, I understand anxiety on paper. Like I understand people get anxious. There's people that have panic attacks and all those other yeah. things. I, 
it's hard for me to understand why people will go to such an extreme. Like, okay, I fail at this, get up and do it over again. That, that would be like my mantra is like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I will become better more of like an anger or a fire in me that I will not be beaten. I'm not going to let myself be beaten. That's just my, uh, value. I guess that's, that's a value that I have is that I will not allow myself to be beaten. Mm-hmm. So if I fail at something, I can get back up. I was homeless at one time mm-hmm. for almost two months. So if I can come back from that, I can do anything, even yeah. though sure. I'd like to be a millionaire, but I don't have to have that goal. I just have to have food for today and a yeah. place to sleep. Yep. That's the bare minimum. You can get that almost anywhere. Just as long as you don't freeze to death. Yeah. I wish I could kind of teach that too. It's like having a fire to not allow yourself to fail. Even if you do, it's okay to fail. Yep. That's another thing is that we, we males in general, I think can't fail. Or if we do, we can't let anybody know about it. And I think that's failures are their best teachers because you can learn things in books, but until you fail for yourself and get up and do it over again to get it better, you're not going to learn that lesson as well as if you just write it down or listen to it or watch it on YouTube. That makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah, no, I think you have to um, like live through that experience and then reflect on what, what it was and you know um, how it impacted you to really kind of, uh, what's that term, like grok it, you know, like to grok, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, what made you decide to want to be a help, ma- just help males in general? Like what was that passion there? So, you know, both of my parents immigrated and uh, kind of this, they, they did wonderfully and, you know, all that they could. And it was very much like they were, uh, uh, you know, they didn't go to college in the States. And so it was like, uh, you know, they wanted me to do the best that I could, but they didn't have the experience to offer me the guidance. Luckily, I have an older sister who did offer me a lot of guidance in uh, applying to college and, and all that good stuff. Um, I asked him, um, but I took a psychology class because I was, uh, wanting to, uh, actually be in film and I wanted to write, write movies. And so I took a psychology class to be like, Oh, maybe that'll help with some screenwriting. Um, and, uh, it was taught by a teacher who also taught the sexuality class. And she was this older woman from New York who was just like very direct about sex and like would talk about sex as if she was like just giving a recipe for her favorite dish. Um, and sex was always a, was talked about quite a bit in my family growing up, but it was always like a joke. Um, it was, you know, we would make like, uh, my dad would watch Benny Hill, you know, like he was, he was from Iran, but he liked those like physical comedy type, you know, so like, that was, you know, what, (laughs) like that kind of shit. So to hear someone be like, no, this is like, sex is about pleasure and desire and, and getting people off. And, uh, but it's not always, uh, and it's about trauma too, but it's not like goofy Benny Hill stuff. And I just, I don't know, something just awoken me in that time. And I was like, that, this is what I want to do. And I just kept doing it. And so I would um, do like peer counseling. Uh, I worked in uh, sex shops in Texas and in California. And that was like eye opening experience. Um, really helpful to see like what people were coming in for, for guidance and support. And also like where their points of like embarrassment and shame were. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I have anxiety myself and I've felt anxious in lots of relationships and sexual experiences and, um, and just finding ways that, that really helped me. And then talking about it with other guys, uh, worked really well. And, you know, it's not for everyone, but it's just, uh, something that I feel like needs to have attention on because guys are often told that we can only think about sex in a few ways and to like, really like expand our definition of intimacy seemed like something that I really wanted to 
to engage in. Um, and sex is fun to talk about. And, you know, I really, I really enjoy helping people just feel comfortable even just talking about sex. Like if that's the only thing I can do is to help them feel comfortable talking about sex with their partners or friends or whatever, I think that would be amazing, you know, because then they could do a part of therapy is to like help people do the work on their own, obviously. And I think that would be a, a huge help. Yeah. Uh, I, that's kind of like part of my message as well is that being able to talk about sex with your partner, being open about it, because in my experience, what I've seen a lot of is most partners or couples or whenever they first have sex, they'll say, oh yeah, don't stop or harder or faster, whatever. They'll give a few um, short sentences or phrases or even a word, you know, not even a command, but just kind of like yeah. encouragement. Yeah. But you know, that's the, that's the extent of it outside of the bedroom. It's never talked about. And I know from experience as being the Sancho that females fake their orgasms just to get it over with, with their husband, because they're not performing the way they want them, or they're not getting them to climax and they don't have that conversation with them. So why not have it with them, have the relationship you want and the sex you want instead of fooling around, unless that's part of your lifestyle, unless that's your kink, unless that's your, um, unless it's, you know, communicated and it's open fine. But otherwise, and of course in my twenties, I didn't care if I'm just getting it in. But now I realize, hey, better relationships can come from open communication about sex. And to take it a step back is that for males, not all sex has to be penetrative. If, you're, if you can't get it up, you still have fingers, you still have a tongue, she probably has toys. You probably don't have to do anything penetrative. You can just fondle each other, whatever. It doesn't have to be PIV, you know? Yeah, perfect. Perfect. And to not feel threatened by the toys. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I mean, hell, I, I love them. Cause then I get to take a break. I just use my arm <laughs> or my hand, you know, right? I don't have to, you know, cause males, we usually have to put in all the work. We're doing all the thrusting where, you know, unless she's on top, but for the most part, we're doing all the work. We need a break. I need a break. I'm old. I'm, you know, my forties. So, Hey, sure. Get that toy out. Right? Fuck, yeah. Just play with yourself. Let me take a breather. Let me <laughs> with some water. I'll be back. You know? Um, but yeah, and this is, I want to go in more into detail, but I kind of wanted to focus on, on confidence, but you know, this, this, you know, you're a therapist. So yeah, it, it would be helpful to have you cover all these things. I, I can appreciate, you know, your uh, drive for that because confidence is very much like an antidote to anxiety. I think anxiety very much can come from just an, like an uncertainty of yourself and uh, not sure how, the, not, not sure how other people are going to receive you or uh, like not trusting yourself. Yeah. One, one thing I try to tell people is, you know, sure, go ahead, go down that rabbit hole of worst case scenario. Oh, they're going to hate me. They're going to do this. But then, okay, ask yourself a second question. What if it goes right? What right. if it goes the way I want it yeah. to, you know, go down that rabbit hole and hopefully that'll balance you out. Ideally it would get you more confident or get you to always think what if it goes right so that you have that confidence and you're above the baseline. You're not a nervous wreck whenever you got to do your task. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend if there's a book or a podcast or anything for people to work with their anxiety or get over uh, anxiety or help with their confidence? I'll do, I'll, I'll do a shameless plug of my own workbook. Uh, <laughs> and also I love, I love referring other books. Um, now that I've, I, uh, yeah, I've actually, I used to have some weird, I think it's coming from academia. I had some weird, stupid shame about the fact that like after grad school, I don't, really like reading because I just, it got burnt out on me. Um, but I will listen to audiobooks. I'll, I'll read journal articles all the time. Uh, but something about reading, uh, books, I don't have the attention for, uh, but listening I'll and there's some stupid like stigma about listening to audiobooks and not actually reading. Anyways, I love to refer recommend book. 
so there's my book. Uh, it's, the, it's called Sex Warriors with an O. Um, it's a mindfully queer guide to men's anxiety around uh, men's anxiety around sex and relationships. Uh, it's like a it's a 65 page workbook that's interactive. Uh, it's a PDF. Um, you can get it on my site uh, rousetherapy.com and go to courses, or you can find it on Etsy. Um, and in that is an interactive workbook that people uh, can follow some writing prompts to really investigate like what sort of messages they have that's influencing their anxiety. Uh, and then there's also some um, mindfulness practices, both for yourself and for partners um, or to do with partners to help slow yourself down and really identify like where the anxiety is coming from and how to slow, how to, how to cope with the anxiety and bring the anxiety down um, and identify like, different approaches or different ways of thinking about sex that can really help you uh, feel less anxious and feel less perfectionistic about sex. Um, I would, I also recommend like DBT, I feel like is a really good practice for anxiety. It's a dialectical behavioral therapy. Uh, there's a, um, a workbook that I recommend to clients that I just call the, the Brown workbook. It's like a Brown cover. It's the dialectical behavioral therapy skills for anxiety workbook that's in, uh, incredibly helpful. Um, you know, there's a book right behind me uh, called The Ethical Slut. Uh, it's a classic book. It's um, many different editions now, and it's been around for wow, 20 years or so, but they do lots of updates. And I feel like that's a really good book to help with just kind of conceptualizing how you want to engage with relationships and sexuality and open relationships. And if that's what you want, or if it's something that, you know, you're just interesting to think about it and you'll leave it there. Do you ever have any male clients that just need to deal with building confidence outside of sexual relationships? Do they have a, just that they want to improve their confidence or reduce their anxiety for other issues? Or is it just yeah. mostly revolved around relationships and sex? I, I mean, our, our main focus is relationships and sex, but, um, you know, oftentimes people will reach out to us to be like, you know, are you sex positive? Are you a sex therapist? Yep. 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 Uh, and then, or, you know, do you work with poly folks or kinky folks? Totally. But then a majority of our work is about anything, but, but they just want to know that if something comes up that is about their polyamorous relationship or their kinky sex, that we're not going to judge them and be like, Oh, you're that's, that's why you're anxious. It's because you're polyamorous or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, we offer a bunch of different types of types of work. That's another thing that I've, found frustrating because, or not frustrating, but kind of, um, notice is that even though alternative lifestyles are seeming to be a little bit more mainstream or being more, um, broadcast in the mainstream media, like, uh, bondage with, there's a, uh, Netflix show called bonding. Uh, you might've heard yeah, of it. Yeah. It's basically kind of shedding light on it. The, the biggest issue I have though, is 50 shades of gray that, you know, even though it brought it more into the forefront at the same time, it's created this whole subgenre of, you know, basically violating the subs rights or just not listening to their um, yeah. safe word. And, yeah. you know, even though, yeah, you know, they portrayed Christian Gray as this attractive male and, you know, it, it's another thing that I, I see in, in mainstream as well is that attractive people can get away with more than unattractive people can, mm -hmm. you know, had it been an ugly, fat, older male, right. 
I'm pretty sure, you know, that show would have, that, that book never would have gone anywhere, but because he was attractive, they say, Oh, what's okay. He really wanted her. He couldn't help himself. You know, Uh that's okay. But if he's ugly, couldn't help himself and didn't, and wanted her now that's a crime, you know, and that that beauty bubble thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beauty privilege, you know, entitlement, you know, that whole thing as well. Um, but, and, and I, of course we can't get away from that because all we see on television is attractive people for the most part. And the unattractive ones are the frumpy friend that, you know, maybe hopefully kind of will get laid or have a relationship and, you know, that's a whole rabbit hole that's frustrating, angry that I can't address in just one episode. But in any case, is there anything you want to cover, plug yourself? Yeah. I mean, um, so the other thing that I've been doing is I've been taking, uh, so I've been running groups. So if you're in California, uh, you know, I've been running some men, sex and anxiety groups, but I'm also running, uh, I'm going to start running some coaching groups around, uh, men who are in long-term relationships and experience anxiety around sex and relationships. And that's going to be, we're going to meet twice, uh, twice a month. Uh, one, one session will be like a deep dive on a particular topic. And then the next session will be an open Q and a, and then we'll also have like a Slack channel where we can uh, provide support, like a community support for each other. Uh, so I'm developing that right now and people can go to rousetherapy.com and uh, sign up for our newsletter to get updates on that. Um, there's also a, a quiz on our website where you can go and uh, take the quiz to see how much you know about sex anxiety. And that can just kind of give you some very baseline understanding of kind of the beginnings of understanding about sex and anxiety. Um, and I just, I love talking about this and writing about this. I have a, a weekly blog uh, that I release about it. Um, you know, I like giving free content so that people can have, uh, access to sexual health information. And and if I'm not going to give it to them, then I'll refer other books and resources around that. Um, but yeah, we just opened the group practice rouse therapy, rouse relational wellness in San Francisco, um, and looking to expand. I'm just, again, really happy to, um, provide these services where uh, I can bring other clinicians on who are sex positive and sex therapists and, uh, just really help, help our clients feel good about themselves, feel less shitty about themselves and treat others nicely. Like I have a, I have a young kid, but like my biggest goal for his life is, um, to not be an asshole, (laughs) to, to be a kind person. Um, you know, of course I want him to be able to provide for himself and do all that good stuff. But honestly, like if he's just not an entitled asshole, I will feel so like I accomplished so much. My, my goal for my son was just don't be, uh, just don't be a felon. Yeah. Like <laughs> is, is that, that's like the baseline. Don't be a felon, uh-huh. be a good person. And for the most part, I mean, he's already 22. So uh-huh. he's yeah. on his life doing his own thing. Yeah. Um, he's had some brushes with the law as a kid, shoplifting, stupid sure. shit. But yeah. for the most part, he's now a decent human. So I'm proud of that to an extent, you know, I wish he could do better or listen more to like, Hey, don't be a dumbass like me. But, um, one last thing before we go, how would you recommend for any listener, anybody that's out there for, how would you recommend for them to open up the dialogue with their partner? Like, Hey, I want to talk about sex. This is what I like. What do you like? How, how would you suggest that they open that dialogue? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I would, um, the first thing I would, I would talk to them about um, talking to their partner about setting aside time to talk about this. Uh, you know, for some people with anxiety that can feel amp up the anxiety even more, but I think setting aside time to really just not be distracted, to, you know, understand it, to dive into it can be really helpful. 
Um, and then once you set aside that time, you know, tend to that time, make sure there's room for both of you to talk uh, and then speak from your own experience. Uh, talk about, you know, good nonviolent communication ways. Like when I, when I experience this, I feel anxious because X, Y, Z do your best not to blame it on your partner. Even if you are hundred percent convinced that your partner is doing something to you, just name the emotion that you're experiencing. Um, if you feel, if you're in an abusive relationship, then obviously like, you know, please seek help. But in other situations, um, when you're talking about your anxiety, just speak from your own experience and then try to make sure that your partner really understands you. And you can ask them to just reflect back what you, what they heard you say, uh, check out the book, nonviolent communication for guidance on that. Um, and then the importance of that conversation is just to say what you need to say and hear what your partner is saying. Don't try to make any decisions or any grand gestures. If you can, great, but don't make that be the expectation. Just try to feel heard and just try to listen to your partner. Um, that can go a long way. Just even that, even if you guys don't leave with a, a series of things that you're going to do, just that relational emotional experience of like, all right, I just said everything I need to say or what my experience has been. And, and they just heard me. They didn't say it was good or bad or in between. They just said, yeah, that's how you feel. Um, that can go a long way. And then, you know, that's the foundation. And then you can talk about, this is what I need to feel safe. This is, I need to go slow. I need, you know, warmth or I need to feel good about myself or I need to not have a stressful week at work or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, that, that approach I've seen do well, like I've guided couples or people in session and I've also helped just kind of talk through like, okay, have that conversation with a partner. And then they come back the next week. And I'm like, how was that conversation? What was good? What was bad? What was in between? Yeah. That's a lot better than, well, my approach has just always been, don't go to bed angry. And well, that yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. I mean, that, that, sure. You can like, okay, fine. You know, you can bury something, but then that could be a seething thing. Right. So unless you communicate, Hey, this bothers me, yeah. which fortunately I was able to communicate that with my wife is like, Hey, we're not going to bed angry. So if something bothers you, let me know. And what I appreciated the most was that she would let me know without, she would accuse me about some things, but she would tell me, Hey, I didn't like it when you did this, this hurt my feelings. This made me feel like that. And she wouldn't tell me, please don't do that again. She'd let me kind of absorb it. Okay, you're right. That that was wrong or that was inconsiderate. That was this, that, or the other. I won't do that again, or I'll do that differently. And then the same way with her. If something bothered me, I tell her, hey, I don't like you doing this. You know, what are we going to do about it? Okay, I won't do it. It's not important to me. It's more important to have me happy or her happy, you know? So that's, that's I think, the best part of a relationship. But to get other people to get to that point, we were both very kind of alpha-ish that we would just like, hey, X, Y, and Z, this is how it's going to be. But I understand most people aren't like me, so I can't relate to everyone. I can only relate to people that are like me. So I appreciate you coming on to be able to expand on that and give it a better way than me just, hey, just talk to your partner. Okay, how? How do you talk to your partner? Yeah, it's good to you know, have those conversations in general. I think just because we all tend to lead busy lives just because I think the economics right now, like people are grinding really hard to just get by, you know, there's the privileged people, but, but, um, and then raising families or whatnot. So just allowing yourself to have times to like sink into each other and just be like, no, this is what's going on with me or this is what's going on with our relationship can really help. Yeah. And, and touching base once, yeah. a week, ideally once a day, but, um, if, if once a week you can set aside 30 minutes, Hey, you know, 
how's work going? How's, how's this going? Because yeah. if you don't do that with your partner, there's going to be somebody at work that's going to be checking in with your wife or your boyfriend or your husband or yeah. whatever. That's going to be like, hey, how are you doing? Uh, and then just that little bit of kindness, that little bit of emotion, uh -huh. even though there's that relationship, that's someone else opening up their legs or getting it in where they shouldn't be. Uh -huh. So anyways, David, thank you for coming on. Where can people find you? What do they need to know about you to get in touch and have a session or a group session with you? Go to rousetherapy.com. It's R-O-U-S-E. Uh, we are located in San Francisco uh, for in-person sessions when things are safer in-person stuff. Uh, but we also do online therapy for people in California and online coaching sessions around the world. Any socials you want to throw out there for them to catch your blogs or is, is a blog also on the website? Blog is on the website. You can go to our website and click blog. Uh, we're uh, Rouse Therapy on all socials. TikTok uh, is blowing up. I somehow did well with one. One of my posts got shared a bunch. And so... Uh, you know, it's blowing up for me, which is like a thousand followers, which is fun. Um, so rouse therapy on TikTok, where I talk a lot about, um, sex and anxiety. I talk about different types of desire and, um, and that's been a lot of fun to explore as well. Hopefully this has been helpful for you and your partner. If you have any suggested recommendations, feel free to reach out to me. You can know where to find me or reach out to David. If you have any further questions, cause he is a fountain of knowledge and he can explain it better than I can. Hopefully I can just help you guide there or someone else. To my listeners, thank you for sticking around. I love you. You're worthy of it. And until next time, besos.